Welcome to a very special edition of Whisper in the Wings. Today we have a new group who we are so excited to have as a recurring fixture here on Stage Whisper. We are calling this the Curtain Call Conversation. This is a panel um, that will be helping to provide insight to the many shows playing here both on and off Broadway, as well as discussing with us the current and upcoming awards season. So before we get into all that fun stuff, let's take a moment to introduce them and get to know them a little bit, um, these fabulous, fabulous panelists. So our first panelist is a dear friend that I happened to meet while attending a show myself, uh, and we immediately hit it off. Um, I'd like to welcome Eleanor. I've actually never said your last name. Um, Ardino? Gordino, yes. Eleanor Gordino, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here on this panel. Oh my goodness. So I've been so enjoying all of your discussions on Stage Whisper, and I cannot believe that I'm actually am, you know, offered an honor to kind of contribute my opinions and views. I'm Eleanor Gordino. I am a native New Yorker, and I truly, truly enjoy theater, dance, and the reason why I am still living in New York City is because of all the culture that is at my door. So I am so pleased and honored to be able to share my views. And I'm an empty nester, so I get a chance to kind of go out and see theater three, four times a day, a week. I mean, thank you. Yes. And then our next panelist, I also met while attending the same show I met Eleanor at. And I'm so happy that she is joining us here on our show. In fact, she is just returning from her journey in Europe, a, a trip to the West End, and literally direct from JFK. And, and well-rested, I should say. <laughs> so welcome <laughs> to our show, Lisa Gold, Goldenberg-Korn. Welcome. So glad you can make it. Thank you. I, I am so glad to. I know we've been talking about this and I'm glad that the timing worked out well. Um, and I also, um, I'm, I'm very excited to be part of um, one of the conversations, your, one of your shows, um, as I've listened to many of them and really enjoy hearing your thoughts about the different shows. Um, I've been a theater fan from way, 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 way back. And um, as Eleanor said, I, you know, living in New York, you, if you're living here, you got to be participating. And so I see theater very often and dance and other, uh, other performances. And um, I'm really excited to get a chance to discuss together, um, which we on the panel have done for a long time amongst ourselves. So we're really excited to, to get it out there and talk to you tonight. Thanks. Yes. And our final panelist rounding out our brilliant team is an incredible human who have, who I've had the honor of meeting through Eleanor and, and just brought even more just wondering thought to the podcast and, and to the discussion surrounding it. So I'd like to introduce you all to Ms. Taisha Scott. Taisha, thank you so much for joining this panel. You are more than welcome, and thank you for having us. Um, it, it, I, it's very interesting. My maiden name was Habersham, so I wouldn't do that to people after I got married. I said, I think I'm going to stick with Taisha Scott and make it easier than Taisha Habersham Scott. It's a tongue twister. Theater and dance, um, theater, dance, I, I consider myself a cultural vulture. I grew up in New York City in Brooklyn, and theater became a part of the existence of my life since I've been age, since age seven years old. 
And I feel as if when you are a native New Yorker, it is our duty to support and keep this art form alive and going. Um, like Eleanor and Lisa, you know, I'm, I'm also an empty nester. Um, and for many, many emotional reasons, theater has saved me over the past 18, 19 months. It's been um, a lifeline for me being a, unfortunately a recent unexpected widow. And it has brought joy in my life, specifically meeting, meeting you, listening to your podcast and your shows. I think you are quite an amazing, intelligent young man in this art form and you will be successful and we're happy to support you. But I do have two sisters here um, in this journey, uh, Eleanor and Lisa, who have been um, not only my sisters, my theater thespian sisters in theater, but also just really wonderful sisters. So I'm glad to be on this journey with them. Um, and keeping the culture vulture of New York City alive um, and making this part of the fabric of our lives. All right, so um, thank you very much. Thank you. And, and I really can't, listeners, I can't tell you how much these three ladies, I mean, they're the smartest people I know here. They're going to bring you such incredible insight to the season here in New York um, and, and beyond, hopefully. So get excited about that. We're a little addicted to theater. <laughs> like twice a week shows. Twice a week is minimum. So we're a little addicted. <laughs> <laughs> so as mentioned with this group, we are going to delve a little deeper and discuss the incredible season before us, as well as the award season we have currently found ourselves in, which is amazing. We're back. And listeners, I have to tell you, as I mentioned, these are the smartest people in the room, so buckle up, we're off to the races. With that, this is the first episode, and we're going to be mainly focusing on the Lucille Lordle Awards and the shows that were nominated. So we're going to dive in and, and get on with it. I should mention, we're not going to be discussing every show that was nominated. Uh, we're going to go ahead and skip the majority of the ones that just received one nomination. But I highly encourage you to go ahead and visit um, their website, lordalaward.com, and check out all the amazing nominees, well-deserved nominees, in fact, to go see who's up for the award. Um, and with that, why don't we just dive in? Yeah. So the first show I would, I, I, and I, I couldn't take this off the list. I had to, because I have a personal tie, uh, is Fairy Cakes, which is up for Outstanding Costume Design by Gregory Gale. And anyone that listened to our bulletin when we covered this, uh, both Hope and I have actually worked with Gregory Gale when we were in Salt Lake City. He's designed a few shows mm -hmm. out, in, um, out there, as well as on Broadway. And um, I'm excited that this got a nomination um, because the costumes really were fabulous. It blew me away. It was one of those things that I left with going, oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Right, right. And it is, it is being nominated for best... Costume uh, design. Costume, yeah, costume design. And in your opinion, it deserves it, this nomination. Absolutely, absolutely. It looked like we, we all saw this show. Um, mm -hmm. I was saddened to see that it closed so soon. Um, yes. I thought it was a fabulous show. It was very clever. Um, it was really well acted. But the, It's whimsical, the too. It was whimsical. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll share one um, observation from not me, which, which I, thought, I actually thought that I, was, I did, was watching a Broadway show, like a Broadway musical. It was that, that well done. A, a student who is in the seventh grade went to see it. Um, a student of mine who I did um, taught in English 
theater class in Shakespeare two years ago. So now she is in ninth grade. And she sent me, she said, my mother's allowing me to text adults. And the first adult I wanted to text <laughs> with you because I wanted to know, Mrs. Scott, had you seen this play? And she said, it made me want to become, become an actress. She said, but also I'm curious about costume design. Do you know anyone that creates oh. costumes? Because she's very creative. That's what this play did. Oh, that's amazing. That's what this play did. Wow. Her godmother took her to see it. And this is what she got from this. And this was a student I had two years ago, a theater a student. In, I did an English, um, it was an English class, but it was focused on um, plays and, and introducing them to play and playwrights. Because a, a lot, most of them didn't know what, what a, who a playwright was, and most of them had not seen a play. Um, but she was one of the students where her godmother, you know, took her to plays. And she said, I don't know anything about costume. I just know I love clothes and I love shopping. So that's what the play did. I was chomping at the bits waiting to, to share this, this piece of the story about this play. And it made me look at it from a whole different perspective. So they got the right nomination on that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they did. Going on to our next show, uh, I want to talk about Colored Water, mm. which received a nomination for Outstanding Scenic Design. Uh, for Adam Rigg. I, unfortunately, I was in the middle of my move, so I did not get to see this. I think I'm the only one that didn't get to see the show, so y'all are going to have to tell me what I missed here. I'm excited. Mm. I was mm. so, it was such a moving performance. Mm -hmm. uh, mo moving performances and the, and the writing of the story was just mm -hmm. unbelievable. I, I remember posting after it, um, after seeing it that like every bit of the show even and the and the sets were the set was incredible and um yeah i i was very very moved i think i saw that with eleanor maybe yes we did see yeah, it we'll see kind of, and we <clears throat> and we were taught we met we talked with um a couple of the actresses afterwards it just <laughs> I, we were just thinking like what it really took from every each of them every day to to inhabit those characters um mm -hmm. but and being an activist myself um i was really i really liked being able to see you know art reflecting um the real you know crisis and the real like mm -hmm. stagnation with the water crisis in you know in Michigan, so I I, I thought it was I, it had high marks everywhere for that. That that was going to be my one jump in there. I was like, this is a play about the Flint, Michigan thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's what's really cool. What's in, good about it? I one of the things is that um it's not just a moment in time. This is like mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. it was supposedly addressed. You know, is over, mm. and because also it's it's intergenerational. So there's like the grandmother and the adult children, mm -hmm. and you know that you could see how this affected all of them over the years, like mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. whatever was going on in their bodies, physically, and, and, you know, mental mm -hmm. health, the whole thing. And that, you know, it was a big deal. And for the youngest that she was like counting out how many, you know, waters, fresh water bottles that are given by the government or whatever to wash, you know, wash the vegetables and to cook the vegetables. And oh. so it just took over every bit and that, it's still, still hasn't been addressed. Still hasn't been addressed. It's still not. It's still not resolved at all. I saw it on uh, women, uh, women's empowerment night. Cool. So, 
95% of the audience were women, right? And young women, intergenerational ages. And um, the, the show does not have a, um, they, they do not come out for a bow, you know, or for, which was quite powerful because it left the, it left the audience sitting and talking in the theater and sharing. Um, and a couple of the actresses and, and, and going into the hallway and talking about this, this issue that is, that we were not aware. There's so many issues, right, that, are, that, that, that come at us in rapid speed. Um, but the fact that this, this you know, issue with the Flint water has not been resolved and generationally we have um, families and children that are so affected by this in, in, for their health and, and the mental health, physical health. Um, and by that time, the actresses were coming out um, and we had a chance to talk to them. But what can we do going forward was the, was the message. What can we, who, how can we make this platform work for the people in Flint, Michigan? And as an activist as well, it, um, it resonated that, you know, that, that this is something that I, that I can't believe has not been resolved. So it kind of left you angry, but the acting was powerful. And it just, it, it puts you back into that, the mode of um, activism. And I just want to add that um, you felt their pain. You felt mm -hmm. every issue that they had to deal with. It was, as was stated, mental health, physical health, mm -hmm. uh, trying to have some normacy, go to school, how they counted bottles, you know, uh, for every facet of their life. But most importantly, um, they ended the play by the number of days that are still that are present that Flint mm -hmm. water has not been uh, rectified, has not been improved, has not been restored so that it's mm -hmm. healthy. I think it was like 1,000, I was trying to look for the notes, like 1,962 mm -hmm. days or something. And they end like that, the stage goes dark and that's all that stayed along mm -hmm. with tears rolling down your eyes. Um, but the fact that I just want to bless the women in that family, uh, the mm -hmm. mothers, the, the aunts, because they did the best they possibly could. They tried to have mm -hmm. a sense of normalcy for their children. And so in an underserved environment, I, I saw a family structure that I would see in other very thriving uh, family units and they did the best they could. And um, it was sad, but it was upbeat in the fact that they tried mm -hmm. to thrive under all of this turmoil. What's the underlying thing that the three of us often talk about, Eleanor, Lisa, and, and Andrew? Theater transforms. It mm -hmm. transcends beyond what we see in entertainment. It is not just entertaining. It transforms lives. Mm -hmm. It's about activism. It's about digging deeper than just enjoying the show. Theater transforms. So well, I, I, I got to ask, what was it about the set you thought wrote that nomination for Adam Rigg? How many bottles were hanging? You know, the bottles, bottles of water was the main scene. You know, it was from the ceiling on the walls. Um, the number of bottles that they were used daily was written on chalk on the side of the theater walls in the right and left as, and that was happening as the audience came in, were seated, you know, getting seated. Um, right. But the dramatic of the, you know, how it was, I don't know, tiered in the bottles of water, and mm -hmm. it was dirty. 
the color of the water. It was, it was brown, it was black. Mm -hmm. And even with the lighting, I mean, I can't, I don't know. You think it was like maybe two, 300 bottles maybe hanging? Right. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. very sculptural. Yeah. Yes. And, and, it, it was art. But also, besides the water part, like you came in and there was just so much to see and so many layers and your eye, you, it was just like sort of a feast. Um, mm -hmm. And the way they used the big, like the stage was fully open. They used the whole thing. The other thing is it took place in a house. So they, you know, he was good about like, he kind of staggered the rooms on the left side. And then mm -hmm. there was like a showpiece of the, of the, um, the bathtub. And so I think it was sculptural. It was artistic and, and, and it was very striking. You know, it also just, it was simplistic, but yet made the point without being overly, overly dramatic. It was powerfully simplistic. Water bottles that were yeah. dirty with water. Numbers strike down, you know, with right. five, five lines with a strike. This, you know, all visually from your surrounding you this way. You know? Oh, so they were like right. tally marks. Almost mm -hmm. like if you were in a prison cell, tally mm -hmm. the day. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. They were telling the days that they've had dirty water, colored mm -hmm. water. So you, it's almost like the government's holding you prisoner in a way, and you've been counting mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's one way to look at it, right? And it was captivating oh. from the moment you walked in and sat down in your seat because the, the young actress is writing these, these, these slants on the wall while we're before the play opens. So you visually see her engaged in this process, which is clearly disturbing. On to another show then um one I'm, I'm i feel like i've heard us all talk in favor of which was um <laughs> eugene o'neill's epic long day's journey in tonight um mm -hmm. <laughs> on at the minetta lane theater in mm -hmm. outstanding lead performer in a play elizabeth uh more morell uh mary and also um, outstanding projection design again, but uh, for Yi Yunnan, um, this, um, just to blurt my thought out, this is a show that I gave another chance on when I first, the first time I saw it okay. uh, on Broadway, it rode me the wrong way. Mm. And I'll, I'll dive more into that when we actually cover it here in a couple weeks on Stage Whisper. Um, <laughs> I went back and I read the play the epic that it is. And I went, oh my gosh, this is such a good work. This is such a brilliant work. I just, I saw, maybe I saw it on the wrong night or whatever. So when I saw that this was being done again, I was like, going, absolutely. I know it's three and a half hours, but I'm going. 
And then I think I was talking to Eleanor about this and she's like, no, 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 no. It's not three hours. Yeah. It's not the director who directed Slave Play and okay. it's modernized and da, da, da. And yeah, and like I walk in and they've got a CNN thing about the election playing. And I was like, yeah, I remember this. Those were, that was a good time. Like, and I was like, I think I'm gonna like this. Hold on a minute. And it was, it was, uh, it was just shy of two hours, no intermission. It was so ripping. And the way they trimmed it down without changing, like they trimmed it, but they didn't alter the dialogue. It's so funny. I had the same reaction, Andrew, of like, oh, I'm not gonna go sit through that again. Cause I saw that, like, and actually, actually, I liked sitting through it and knowing the story, but I, it wasn't something I wanted to go back for more. And then, yes, Eleanor was like, no, no, it's redone, you know. And, you know, the whole thing that you said, I, I was like, okay, okay, that's, that, that's good. I found it really, at the time, a little, like, jar, a little PTSD with that CNN thing and the toilet paper, all the, sh the Amazon boxes and the toilet Yes, and all the hand sanitizer and the Lysol yeah. wipes. And you're like, oh, I don't it's know. A, it was a bit much. <laughs> it, it was appropriate, but it was, yeah, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> right, you're like, okay. <laughs> and I will say the performance of Mary, I mean, that was an amazing performance. Yeah. I, I think it's good to see her nominated. Yeah, it was very good. Now the one that rubbed us in here, Eleanor, you got to tell us what you thought. Yeah. I mean, you're the one that <laughs> you said, because Eleanor, we were all like, nah, we're not gonna go see it. Eleanor said, no, you gotta see. It. <laughs> Eleanor I took the rope like this. She's like, you gotta see it. <laughs> I, I do have a strong, handsome time, and I'm really um, <clears throat> in love with a body of work. I just thought the acting, um, the story is very sad, right? But mm -hmm. right. the acting was superb, and I thought the performances, and you just felt their pain. And, you know, with the son, I'm trying to remember his name, Edmund, you know, not, you know, being ill yeah. and not be addressing and, you know, really the parents were really already checked out. They were there, but they really weren't there. And um, the issues with the two brothers, um, the mother, I mean, it's interesting how they didn't use, I believe alcohol was the use, right? Of right, alcohol. Initially, and then now we have yeah, drugs. Oh, right. Yeah. And that was a little bit of um, startling to me, uh, but I just kind of felt their pain. It was a Sunday afternoon, I think, when I went and I said, I'm going to see this and make the best. But also Alto Blatswood is in it. And anything that he performs in, I just, it's a must that I must see because he's just so magnificent and talented to be able to really go into character and you just feel. So for instance, it's not a play you walk out feeling happy, but right. I go to theater also to feel. Yes. And to just mm -hmm. and feel and to learn and to, you know, mm -hmm. try something new. I also like the way they kind of did a, um, uh, what do you call it? A blind ca casting. So you have a, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have white parents and, you know, with two sons of color. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It seemed very natural because mm -hmm. they were so talented between the bodies of you know, the work and, you know, the words and, and their performances. So I, I walked away sad, but understood, you know, <laughs> you know, we've just come out of this pandemic and 
it's really challenging. Would I have made different choices? And if it was me with my child, definitely my own, you know, self as far as caring, but it was, it was powerful. It's not easy to watch, you know, that's for sure. But I, I, but I thought it was really well done and did recommend. There's a good point you brought up about um, the type of addiction, um, mm -hmm. which is also just so relevant today. And I mean, you know, at the same time as seeing that, I've been seeing some of the documentary about the opioid crisis and just seeing how like it's just overpowering, you know, so it is shocking that that's what the addiction was, but you know, um, you could see how it happens. But yeah, I, mm -hmm. I'm very glad that um, Eleanor cleared that up for us and that um, I got over there to see it. <laughs> the two things I'll say that really just struck me that I remember that I, I adored, as I mentioned, they didn't change anything from the script, but in the original, Edmund is um, dying from consumption. So, yeah. you know, alcohol. Yes. Yes. They don't name it in this one. Instead, like when he's having his coughing fits at one point, the father looks at him and takes a big step back and Edmund pulls out a mask and puts it on and mm -hmm. it alludes to COVID. Right. Like, even though like, we're, you know, we're getting vaccinated and everything's opening up, it's still that, no, it's right. still a thing that can kill you and, and, and make you sick and that. And then I also, Mary's, the way she finished the show, when she is just in this ultimate state of being high and incapacitated and she just crumbles at, at the front of the stage and she slowly goes from being completely able to be understood just like this murmur and she just collapses right like you think she's going to just completely fall off the stage yes and she just like rolls over and then the lights slowly just go out into a blackout and i was like I should we help her? Like <laughs> that's not how the play ends, but what? Like it to to be able to embody that, you know, to to make us kind of do that. I don't. Is she okay? Kind of thing. Those two scenes just really st stuck in my mind from the show, and I was like, to be, it, you didn't change anything. You just, but you changed it. That that is the mark of really good artistry to me. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's the mark of being able to leave your mark. Yeah. But keep the message, keep the mission in the message, but, but, but change it a little bit so you leave your own mark and your, your own fingerprint on the work, on the body of work. Absolutely. Yeah, all of the above, ditto, all of the above. <laughs> I, I went a little kicking and screaming because I saw the Iceman that cometh. I was invited to, the, to opening night with Denzel Washington some years back. And it was good. And I read the play years ago. <laughs> Theater class is a, it's just... It's just brutal. It's a three and a half hour play. It's just like, oh God, help me! <laughs> and the and it doesn't take away from the fact that the acting was great and Denzel was great and all the actors, but it's just and it's dark, and that's okay, right? Because we again, theater is supposed to. It's not meant to always be, you know, you know, yeah. to tap dance and sing, right? It's meant for us to think and be thought provoking, but. I just, just ditto, everything, Mary was fantastic. So now we're gonna head to some more, uh, more well-known theater companies as we hit some more nominations with, and we're gonna hit Playwrights Horizons production of Tambo and Bones, mm -hmm. uh, which got nominated for uh, Outstanding Performance in a Play for W. Trey Davis, Costume Design for Dominique Von Hill, and mm -hmm. Sound Design for Mikhail Fiskel. What'd you all think, like? <laughs> Where'd you all come down on the show? 
I, I, I wasn't a fan. I, you know, I kind of in the beginning was trying to get into their creativity because I love movement and so right. forth. Um, but I, I, I just couldn't grasp what they were trying to convey uh, mm -hmm. or it didn't move me. I need to, I need my heartstrings to kind of my emotions to be, mm -hmm. to get on board. And so I couldn't I get on board, but I was just happy. I think it was 90 minutes and I did the best I could to be very present and cheers to them. I'm so, but I am impressed by the fact they got three nominations and this, you know, this mm -hmm. that's interesting, mm -hmm. though. You know, I like interior design and placement, and so there were some mm -hmm. things that mm -hmm. were kind of caught my eye. So maybe I lost it because I was trying to figure out how they could perhaps better lay the grass and the gravel and whatever. Mm -hmm. yes. I, I was wondering if it, I also was a little like I, I was expecting to like it more, and I was wondering if it was generational sounds too big of a of a thing, but I was wondering mm -hmm. if it was hitting the younger crowd a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Have we, have any of us heard, have we spoken to any one of the younger generation that has um, said that it, that they loved it and it, they understood? Because I felt the same way. I thought maybe I'm a little different age generation, you know, and I, and, and I wanted to love it for, for, um, for reason, you know, I wanted to love it because everyone is young in their field in this and yes. with this production and they're just you know starting out and, and we're a little disjointed yes but they they're creative and they're dance they're so very was, creative so very creative very the dance was creative i just thought the message i just it just it was maybe it was designed just to be eclectic yeah i mean i think i did like i mean they there were some times when they were talking more directly about mm -hmm. race in america and i and and their mm -hmm. experiences mm -hmm. and so i think that yeah i but some of the other parts of the music part i it was not it, i didn't mm -hmm. connect with but i i did mm -hmm. the storytelling and the kind of ex trying to explore mm -hmm. you know some of that i respected but i didn't pull me in as much as i thought it was mm -hmm. going to I was that's, a little disappointed. That's why that I thought maybe the parts yeah. that I didn't connect with, maybe that's like younger, that you know, the thing, but that the music didn't appeal to me. But I was disappointed that the storytelling didn't pull me in. Mm -hmm. The music did, and the entertainment, but yeah. the story, and I wanted to because I knew the importance of the story, right? Mm -hmm. I knew the importance of the story for the, the playwright, the director, but it didn't pull me in. So I will just end by saying, um, the good thing about attending that day was that I came outside and then I saw Lynn Nottage. <laughs> Yay! And I was able to say, oh my goodness, I so enjoyed Intimate Apparel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was another play. Yeah, so I just said, oh, thank you. And I'm going to go see MJ soon, and which I have to get on my uh, calendar. Nice segue, Eleanor. Yes. Yeah. I was about right. to say, what a perfect segue. Perfect. Show up as Intimate Apparel. Yes. Oh, no, right on the ball. Mm -hmm. That's one of the one. That's one I really wanted to see, and I missed it, so I can't participate in that one. <laughs> and I wanted to see it. Intimate Apparel received nominations for Outstanding Musical, uh, leaded a musical for Kirsten Piper Brown, and costume design for Catherine Zuber. Mm. And I say yes, yes, yes. Mm. yes. I mm. thought this was a really bold. Mm risky show that paid mm -hmm. off in gold you know mm -hmm. uh, i like opera um i would not go to opera every night 
but, mm-hmm. but I can appreciate opera. So I was kind of like, all right, let's go see this, this opera and let's see what it's about. And the story was so good. Mm. The voices <laughs> were so good. And I love one thing, and maybe this is just going to be me being sitting in my naive little, you know, bubble world. But what I loved was a stage full of diverse people singing this art form. When you mm-hmm. think opera, you do not think about the people who are performing this show. And I just went, oh my gosh, this is incredible. This is done, click save, this is art, we're gonna move on. We're not, we're gonna, this is the way it has been, always is, always will be, go forward with this. Cause it was, it was, there were so this many. Is, this is the way it should be. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it was so powerful. And Catherine Zuber, I've always loved her costumes. I've always loved her costumes. And I thought okay. everything from the the top hats, you know, tuxes and that, to these, you know, when he the, the outfit he's wearing when he's building the the Panama Canal or that mm-hmm. beautiful purple dress that she's wearing at one point. I thought it was all fantastic. It hit all the marks for me. Oh, oh, and the last thing I'll say, sorry, the fact that it was in the round and everything yeah. kept moving. Yes. Mm-hmm. It made the space feel enormous. Can I share a, just a, a, a short story, a small caveat to this? 22 years ago, year 2000, a friend of mine invited me to the Roundabout Theater to see a little play called Intimate Apparel by a playwright who's a, an African-American woman who people are talking about. Sat in the play and just kept, I was mesmerized by this actress. And at an intermission, I looked at my friend, Margaret Borger, and I said, I don't know. I said, there's something, I'm, I'm captivated by her. And I says, I am sure that we're gonna see this woman everywhere. I said, she's just so wonderful. I said, what is her name? I says, oh, Viola Davis. Oh. That's a little interesting. <laughs> I saw the original production of Intimate Apparel at the Roundabout Theater on 46th Street, directly across the street from my, the high, my high school, the High School of Performing Arts original cast with Viola Davis and Chad Coleman. That's amazing. Those are bragging rights. Yes. <laughs> I have the playbill and I hold on to it like this. And I should just drop. And I literally said at intermission, I said, this woman is amazing. I said, this actress is brilliant. I said, I'm mesmerized by her. I said, she's gonna, ma-. I said, I-, I can't wait to see her in something. So I have a question for you guys. Did it feel like, um, an opera or did it feel like a musical or a mix? It felt like a mix for me because there, so it felt like an opera in the style they were singing, being a, mm-hmm. not to be like through it or there, but being a trained singer, the style they were singing, <laughs> opera, and the fact that everything was sung felt like an opera. But the storytelling, the way the story was being told felt like a musical. You don't normally get that much story, that much book, if you will, in an opera. It's more about a character. And the other thing is in opera, typically there's parking and barking. They stand, they sing pretty, we all applaud. And this, there was more movement. There was more acting involved. So that to me made it more like a musical. I think the operatic element of it was just the singing and the technique and that. You know, I was curious. I could completely see that play. Once I learned it was going to opera, I said, I get it. I said, I've seen it twice on 
on once with the very first production of Viola Davis, and then I saw it again off Broadway in DC. I saw it in DC, performed in well, Washington. I'm going to catch it on PBS when they air it. Yes, it it was filmed. It I would definitely just say, deserve the nomination. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. But yeah. what was interesting about um, trying to determine if it felt like an opera or if it felt like a musical or a play is because clearly, as you stated, there was a lot of movement with the round. Mm -hmm. But also they had the words, they, the way they placed them, the text of the songs that they were singing was really easy because it was in your peripheral view. So you saw mm -hmm. that to reinforce. But those singers were so well-trained that every word was so clear and concise. You didn't really even have to look at the text. Yeah. You understood. And then based on movement and the story, the story itself was, you know, it was an interesting story. Yeah. And, you know, um, and then at the end, I, I just, I don't know, I teared again because I just thought it was a beautiful, you know, I was so happy for her to stand up for her rights and mm -hmm. also to perhaps that potential love interest that probably would just be in her head and not materialize, mm -hmm. but, I just thought it was a beautiful, beautiful um, opera play. And I'm just sorry that it ended. It, I think it ended too soon. I think it needed because to be- Because of COVID. Yes. Yes, yeah, because of but COVID. But I think also the fact that it was film is a good thing mm -hmm. also. It's preserved to be shared for future generations because it's a beautiful story. Lynn Nottage wrote the play because her mother, her great-grandmother and her grandmother was seamstress. Great-grandmother told a story about, it's not a, true story yes but her great-grandmother was a seamstress and she heard many stories of her grandmother sharing how her great-grandmother made clothes for the gilded age people <laughs> um, um and in the south so out came this play of what if what if my grandmother had no family what if she what if she wasn't married what if and then she came up with this with this brilliant play show was one that I literally freaked out when I heard it was coming and then COVID crushed my dreams, but it came back. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give a little background before I announce it, I saw this show talked about on a National Geographic, one of those like I love the 90s shows that like highlights the, the different years of a decade. It was narrated by Rob Lowe <laughs> and it talked about this particular event and it showed clips from her show. And the minute I saw it, I went out and I bought the, the script and I read it. And I was like, if they ever do this, I'm going to go see it. And of course, I'm talking about Twilight, Los Angeles, 1992. <laughs> I'm so glad I saw it. I actually got to see Anna Devere Smith at the show we saw. It's incredible. Uh, and, it, and it is because it, it garnered four nominations for Revival, Best Ensemble, Director for uh, Tybee Mayar, and Sound uh, by uh, Darren L. West. Um, I think we all saw this, right? Yeah. Yes. 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 And I just, I thought it was so well done. And I like the revision. So, I mean. What, it, what, I have a question, um, Andrew. What about the revisions 
that you, what, what was it about the revisions that you liked? I loved that you had, um, well, the first one obviously was that it included the uh, racial events that have happened since then. Mm-hmm. which was really important to point out that as much as we want to say we've come so far or at the end it make us feel like we've done better because it talks about um, some of the people that play a role in it are the people that help the truck driver um, who I can't think of his name right now but I can see his face and you know you kind of want to feel like okay we'll see there is good in the world and we we can be better people but it wants to, I like that she included and said well hold on a minute we didn't move from this and what I loved about the parallel is um, the Rodney King incident. That horrible incident was caught on camera. So was George Floyd. Mm-hmm. This time with George Floyd, the outcome was different. They actually found the officer guilty. So I loved that that was included this time, that we actually got to see. We haven't come as far as a country, but mm-hmm. the outcome on, on at least the, the, the catalyst, the starter, has turned a little. Um, I also love the fact that you had all, you, you just had an ensemble, I think it was six people who played the variety of roles and they weren't necessarily bound by their gender. Because of course, this was a one woman show when she did it. So to split yeah. this up among right. six people right. was really great. And then just to see that, you know, a perceived, a male presenting person all of a sudden is also playing a female person or mm-hmm. a male presenting person is also playing a male presenting person. I was like, Okay, I don't know who you all are until you put on this one object and I'm like, great, I'm following you. It doesn't matter. I don't, great. I agree with you. I like that too. Mm-hmm. I like that. And you know, I had seen the um, one she did, revived the one she did with the Brooklyn one a few years ago and that, you know, one person plays all those characters. So I went seeing this one this time, I was surprised. I was like, oh, there's a couple of people doing it. Um, and yeah, I agree. I. It was moving, and I was happy to see the the updates, um, to see things added. It mostly in sort of like a not like cataloging, but like like keeping track. You know, not letting mm-hmm. you know for some accountability or something. You know what I mean? Like adding adding it in, I I think makes it a living work, and and be, probably for the reason she did it in the first place. Like I'm so I'm glad I'm glad that um it they added that in. And I have to tell you, this is one of those earlier shows that I think that I saw after we went back to the theater. And when the lights went up, I I think I had seen so many things that had no intermission and or, were 90 minutes. And I was like, I got up and I'm like, okay, we're leaving now, but people are sitting here. Is there going to be a discussion? <laughs> and and they didn't have a curtain call. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's intermission. <laughs> I don't think I had been to anything with an intermission around that time that I saw it. <laughs> the other thing I really loved is, um, so I remember when this happened watching on TV as a four-year-old, I didn't understand what was happening. I just thought there was like fires, like wildfires in LA, you know? And I had this realization as we were watching because they would um, project the, the news and the videos from the LA riots on the back of the mm-hmm. stage. Mm-hmm. I, as I'm watching this, I literally had flashbacks to June of 20, 2020. Mm-hmm. Where I went, we literally, I, this is why I, I didn't fear that, I guess, because I've already lived through it once. I've seen this once. I know that it, it's not the end of the world. I know that that's not the end all be all. And I know why it's happening. 
I understand why I maybe didn't understand when I was four, but in the back of my head, I understood that correlation between something has angered people. There was some injustice and it's angered people. And, you know, here I am now 37 years old going, I understand what the injustice was that angered people. And some of the people are like, why do they have to march and protest and burn things? It's like, it was 30 years ago. Why do they have to do it then? Come on, put two and two together. I don't know. It's different seeing news clips and then like connecting with someone telling the story, if that makes sense. And in retrospect, riots, police brutality and police inju injustice has been going on for decades. This, we're, you know, we go back to the 60s riots, the assassination of Martin Luther King, the, the beatings and the lynchings. And it's, so it, it's, the play kept all of that in, in perspective that we, you know, Rodney King till now, how many years in between, right? All of that time frame in between. And we have, you know, we finally got justice in, you know, for what happened to George Floyd, but that was just one. It was just one. I was so glad that they did you this did a great job. Perfect. That that the, the timing was perfect. Mm -hmm. And um, and perfect for coming back from COVID. All righty. Well, our next show we go back to the public theater. Um, and this is interesting because I didn't realize it was a revival, but it's the Chinese lady. Mm -hmm. um, nominated for best revival, lead performer to play, sound design, Fabian. Uh, Obispo and projection for uh, Sean Duan. That's his other uh, nomination. The one thing that I'll chip in here, because I, I, I feel like I'm hogging the mic, but I, the takeaway for me from the show is not only that the costumes were beautiful and the story was great, but the end, when it talks about the longstanding hatred and injustice towards the AAPI community, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I felt like I was in school because as they were going through you know, the Chinese Immigration Act and Exclusion Act and things like that. And, you know, I obviously I knew the violence, the recent violence against the AAPI community, but to hear that it's, we've been doing it for over a hundred years. We right. brought them over here to build the railroad and then we were like, now you're, you're not even a human, go away. I didn't learn all, like all, all that in detail in school. And I went, oh my gosh, I missed a huge thing. And, and there was a gap between, okay, they built the railroad and what happened last year. I didn't realize how horrible we have been. Mm -hmm. And I felt, I left feeling just like, oh man, I, I feel like I've, I've got blood on my hands, like I'm guilty because I didn't know that. Right. And, I, and I needed to do something about it. And so I wanted to go out and learn more about how horrible we were in order to make sure that we don't do that again kind of thing. I did not get, this was when I did not get a chance to see what I leave with this theater educates and transforms so we will continue to add a word to that sentence yes theater transforms it educates and it enlightens yes. theater transforms it educates and it enlightens and by the time we're done we'll we will add a few more words to the <laughs> sentence activate you do, also it and it's and it activates right andrew right so you said you did not know this that's the beauty. And that's the time that we're living in with theater right now. You, you, it should, we should see something that's not meant for us. You know, the Chinese lady is not meant for, it, it's meant to educate and enlighten me. I'm not a Chinese lady, but I empathize and I need to know that that existed. So we don't repeat it. 
So I did see it and I uh -huh. had the same sentiments as Andrew has. And I walked away saying, oh my goodness, how come I didn't know this? And then I reached wow. out to a couple of my Asian friends and, you know, because they've been sending me a lot of things of what's been going on in the last couple of years. And I said, I'm so embarrassed. Like, how come I haven't picked up a book or something? Yeah. I mean, I know there are some prejudices, but not in the context. So I just said, wow, how many people have been harmed, hmm. wronged, right? Because of the color of their skin, because of their religion, hmm. uh, and just because of the, the shape of their eyes. All of these things, it bothers me. And so I got very angry. I was blown away. Uh, by the performances, the set design, I thought, but it was so informative. And I just said, I, I am just appalled that I didn't, I wasn't aware of this. And to be quite honest, I'm sure this is not taught in many schools to no. this day. It, this no. is not a piece of history. You know, yeah. when I came back and she talked about the act, the Chinese act, and then coming here to build the railroads to go out West. And I'm thinking, wow. And it was, but it was, a play that I am so happy that I was able to see. I got like the last seat in the front row. I think I have a stiff <laughs> neck, you know, afterwards. Right, uh, right. But it was just- That's what happened to me with, with English. I got the last seat and I was yes. in the front row of the yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that I saw that. I learned a lot. And as a result- Sorry, I'm I missed more it. curious about learning uh, about other I cultures. Eleanor, I love that. What did you just say? You're more curious and you're more- engaged in another culture's plight yes yes because an in, an injustice to one is an injustice to all right so we are collective in our activism and if theater is doing that for us so we make sure that doesn't happen again or or we are aware of what's happening with the mm -hmm. violence you know with our chinese brothers and sisters in in new york city and around america if that's what that play is done and that you, I didn't, you know, we, I didn't get to see it and you're informing me of that. That's excellent. Now we know this podcast now will teach that. Right. So it's, it's, it's all part of that. You felt um, motivated yes. to apologize, to call your friends and say, tell me more. I was just going to say, if you notice, there's a certain theme about the bodies of these bodies of work that have come back and opened up mm -hmm. after COVID. There is a theme here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all are learning and embracing. Speaking of activism, our next show, which is the best three hours ever, Prayer for the French Republic. Mm. Oh, yes. yes. No. Listeners, I wish you could just see everyone just lean back <laughs> through their head. That's my world. I love that. <laughs> Did not know what to expect with that, right? Just yes. was nominated for best play director for David Cromer and featured act. Uh, excuse me, featured performer to play for Betty Aiden Adam, who played Marcel and Francis Benhanau, uh, who played Elshi. This show, when I read that there was two intermissions, I just went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I left the theater. So everyone I knew. Everyone I knew was saying it did not feel like three hours. No. Before I saw it, like, with a, it did not feel like three hours. Not at all. Not no. at all. I okay. texted Hope and I said, this is one of the best written, best performed shows. Yep. The story, the message, just, yes. it was out of this world. I, I am not, I'm not sure if they even thought 
that it was going to do this well. No. Because I think the run, they, they had an extension, but they could have had four additional extensions and they still would have been sold out. Yes. I think they extended twice. Yeah, they, they extended twice. They could, they, should have, they could have used one more extension. They, people were clamoring to get in to see this production. Well, and I, I felt like, I mean, there's so many things, but, um, and like you mentioned, I just came back from Europe and I, I think about the, this every time I am in Europe, um, about the countries that I'm in. And, and I actually was in France, um, also part of this. And, um, I was, I felt like the story is so now about, you know, the kind of like, do you choose to be visible, you know, be visible, mm -hmm. um, or do you choose to not be visible first for protection? It was shocking to me where the family was like, okay, we're going to go to Israel because of what's going on here. Like that, that's, um, that mm -hmm. seems so um, drastic at the mm -hmm. time of, of that, but France is tough right now <laughs> in, in mm -hmm. that area. But I loved, but anyway, but it, uh, in the perform the staging of this show, I loved that you saw like the old, the older generation, what was happening at the dining room table mm -hmm. off to the left, where you have the modern, you know, on to the right. And um, also it <laughs> just randomly also the daughter who had whatever issue it took a while to find out that she had issues like you were kind of like what's going on with her you know i really liked the family dynamic i felt like the one the weakest link though i felt was um the american cousin i felt like mm. some of that was just not believable her not her lack of knowledge or naivete or whatever however you say it it was a little contra it didn't seem believable and um do you think that was Lisa written on purpose to show that America was naivete at that time and and blind to no, some of the stuff? No, I mean, I think because think? she's like this. What do you I, think? Because I kind of felt well, she was like, eh, it's a little well, overkill. But then I it, thought, well, maybe. It's funny because she is so current with and and, and mm -hmm. it is. I like that they used her like, oh, study abroad. I'm gonna go see my, you know. And, Right. my roots which i liked that part about it i just felt like she seemed like too clueless about okay jewish things in general like i think that you know like you don't have to be coming from a jewish family to, to even know some of the things she just seemed it's just yeah which i thought was flawed which okay i've heard that from other people who love the play but that mm -hmm. part of it and also it was a little creepy the cousin thing to me <laughs> you know mm -hmm. But you also you also think that sometimes theater is outlandish, right? I mean, sometimes they sometimes theater exact has one character that's exaggerated, yeah. and I think she was a little exaggerated. Yeah, yeah, it kind of yeah, roves yeah, into I the to the storyline. I buy that. I buy that. Yeah, it kind of roves into the storyline. I mean, I agree with you. I thought it was a little unrealistic, but I kind of, okay. I thought I think maybe this is sort of that role that theater plays sometimes by taking a character and making yeah. him or her a little outlandish, and you know, for the purposes of um, shaking things up a little bit, you know. Thought, yeah. yeah, and one other thing, and I don't want to hog, uh, one other thing that I just felt was very sensuous, I felt connected to, that I really liked, was the, the whole part about the piano, and the, and the selling mm. pianos, the piano business, the whole thing that, that I felt like, I liked that, that that was that thread in between, so I just, that was very, 
there was something very sensual about that because of the music and um, and that it kind of kept alive through the generations. So I that felt very touching to me. And I think that was key to kind of show the generational, you know, growth and the family. Um, and I love the fact of seeing the, you know, the grandparents over on the left-hand side mm -hmm. of the stage, right? Having their meals and so forth. I love the play. And again, I was, I was learning, right? Mm -hmm. I was learning. And, but it was interesting because the American cousin, did she say she didn't understand about Seder dinners or something? So yeah, it was a little too. She did. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I wondered if they were, they were trying to show that maybe there was a part of her culture that was embarrassed by that. They just her Jewish family did not want any of that part of that. I mean, there's many cultures where they don't teach their children, you know, they say, you, you assimilate, you're an American. I don't know. I think maybe that's what they were trying to get at. But I, I was, it was like, she didn't know about a Seder. We're in a, <laughs> it's like, I've been to 10 of them in my life. You know, right? It was just, right, right, right. Well, like, if I can jump in here, the, the one thing I'll say is I did relate and I can believe her because coming <laughs> from a father and a Jewish raised mother, I've never been to a Seder. Ah, see? So, see? like, when my grandmother passed, and my, my okay. grandmother was still Jewish, and my mom calls her, she's like, you have to go over to grandmother's, your grandma's house, she's passed away. And I was like, okay, well, what do I need? And I started learning all this stuff about, like, only the men can carry the body. And then when my estranged uncle came over, we had to eat off of these special plates, mm -hmm. special food, and I was all of a sudden learning about this. So I kind of bought that, like, mm -hmm. she's looking up her family, and she didn't know all this. Mm -hmm. But I could kind of see where where you're all coming from, where I'm like, okay, hold on. If you looked up the family, you had to have looked up some of this stuff, though, too. Google we're from New York, so we're like, there's so many cultures here that we're like, mm -hmm. I know about that in the Italian culture. I mean, so we're, we're a little jaded and we're a little tough in that area. Like, we're New Yorkers. We're a melting pot. We, but it was a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful uh, play, and so I well agree. casted and written and, and and the three hours did not feel like three hours no you know the sister's reaction i'm sorry i'm not remembering mm -hmm. the character's name but the sister who was the doctor her reaction was like what are you talking about we're not moving we're not you know we don't need to do mm -hmm. this you know and i completely related to her like that would be me like what are you you know and and how are you crazy it, had, it has its place her religion has her its place in her life but it's not the main focus so i felt a little surprised by the time they got to the point where like they're running to israel like they're going like and it mm -hmm. and it was and just watching them get together or whatever reminded me of jews escaping Europe, you know, my my right. grandma, my grandparents escaped Fiddler on the Roof style. That you know, they right. before the Holocaust or whatever, you know, like so. There's just this history of escaping that mm -hmm. it was like, whoa! I I felt a little bit like, wait, how, you really fell into that? Like first you were you were you were you know like what are you talking about? And then it it was it was a little frightening to see that. But anyway. Wow. I thought the play was so well done. I recommended it to a number of people. Well, Lisa actually pushed me and I joined her daughter to go see it. And I was yeah, like, oh, I'll go right. another time. I remember, I got, remember I got those free tickets? I, yes. I got the offer and I said, okay, go grab the tickets.
Here comes your guys' shiny moment. This is the show I've been excited to hear about. Oh. Classic Stage Company's production of Assassins. Yahoo! <laughs> Yahoo! Nominated for Best Revival, director John Doyle and feature performer in a musical, Ethan Slater, who played Lee Harvey Oswald, and Will Swenson, who played Charles Cateau. This was a huge, huge hit in the city. It was a sold-out run. It was extended. It was a run that was cut short because of this uh, giant pepperoni that we're still in. Um, but it was a huge success. It cut a... Uh, a, a cast recording which is not a normal thing for off-broadway shows and um four seems low for me but the more award nominations that are coming out the more i'm like ah there we go gave me some space yeah, i was gonna say they're getting another they're getting yeah, other nominations they're getting others you know, they're, I would, getting the I would, desk, they're getting the desk drama awards i mean yeah. the others yeah. are coming i would just add also to the anticipation of that was that that was that was selling for March, you know, for the spring of 2020, and it was really talked about then, and people were, you know, I remember us talking about, like, okay, getting a ticket for it and whatever, and, um, you know, when when the lockdown happened, you know, people were talking about certain shows and, like, how long do you think it's going to last, and I hope that we're not going to lose Assassin, you know, like, I hope that's going to play, you know, like, so there was so much anticipation for that one. Mm-hmm. I saw it a couple of times. Well, I'll, I'll clearly jump in here and, and, and do my plug. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> do, do, do my duty, my board of directors duty. I, I am on the board of directors for Classic Stage Company that um, produced Assassins. And it came, it, it opened it in, in an, inc- although it opened, it, it was supposed to open, of course, during um, COVID. And it, but when it opened, it, it came at such a wonderful time as we had in, been in the new presidency in the country, we were understanding Stephen Sondheim got to see it mm-hmm. um, before his, he passed and, and, and he's had company, he had assassins, he had West Side Story in the theaters. And the energy, I brought a couple of groups and my favorite group of course included, two groups, my favorite group included Lisa and Eleanor. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that we, and I have some notes here that, that I wrote, the one thing that we, we mentioned is that we have to 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 look out for people. We don't know what people are feeling right now in, in this in in this pandemic. There there people are afraid. People are feel isolated. Um, not that you think that someone would do something as drastic as say let's let's kill a president, but everyone doesn't get a prize. What's the message, right? That you know the culture of you know are are we you know we we draw the parallel between the insurrection on January sixth. Yes. That these people felt like they, you know, th- their message is, well, we, we feel the way in which African-Americans feel. You're not getting a prize. We're not getting a prize. So th- there, there's so many mixed messages in what would drive someone that would want to assassinate a president. What would drive someone that would want to, to create an, an insurrection, you know, and then that scene at the very end where they show the people who, you know, are storming the Capitol. Wow. I think it came at a, I think it came at a, the play opened at, I don't think it would have had the same impact if it opened, if COVID it, um, didn't exist. I think it opening after the, um, when theater opened, gave it a lot of you know, attention. People really wanted to see it. But I think the message came across better. Opening up after, um, after the insurrection, after the election. I think it really just um, left 
everyone with. And the acting was wonderful. The music, of course, I'm sounding biased, right? But but I but but when it comes to my theater, I'm serious. I'm 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 a little bit of a snob, and I'm and I'm tough. I would not say it wasn't great if it wasn't, right? Um, Agreed. John John Doyle is brilliant. It's John Doyle, right? So you know what he comes, what he presents is going to be thought provoking. But it, but assassins gave us the desire to just want to go see a play in an intimate setting, right? And go talk about it. You know, like, let's, it gave us that excitement. We're going to get a ticket, right? We're going to go see, a, you know, that one play. Company, Assassins, think about the plays that opened as soon as theater opened. Assassins was one of them. So it just, it, it's wonderful that theater again does that for us. It gives us an opportunity to look forward to something. And knowing that it was going to be an intimate performance, there's not a bad seat in the house at, at Classic Stage Company. It's not a bad seat. You can sit all the way in the top and you're going to get the most out of the performance. So I think it came at a great time. I think it opened at the right time. Although they missed that last show, I think it opened at a good time. And I will just say for everyone, there is a wonderful benefit concert. I have to plug this in. Um, on May 9th, the tickets are still available for, for sale. Um, because we could not have um, the very last show because of COVID, because of COVID outbreak and the casts, um, Classic Stage Company is doing a uh, review um, concert on May 9th, Monday, May 9th. So tickets are still available. Please come and support, because you're supporting the theater, you're supporting education. Um, you're supporting high school and college education because Classic Stage Company does a lot with high school students, middle school students, um, and you're supporting fellowships in theater and you're supporting Classic Stage work. So please come out and uh, support. You get to see Assassins again, Monday, May 9th. I, I, you know, I would just go jump in a little bit where like, um, the no I think they got the nomination, right? He was great. You know, like mm -hmm. I, it, it was funny um, just seeing him in that role. And I, I love not just, you know, his main role, but like throughout the show where he's, you know, playing banjo and standing and singing and whatever. And, and I, I really loved, um, you know, Judy Kuhn and, um, what's her name? Piper, Piper, oh, uh, no, um, when, oh, Tavi, Tavi. Yeah. That they, the two of them together were, were really great. Mm -hmm. they, they played off each other and were really, really funny. And, you know, they didn't have, they had smaller roles than the, than the guys. And, um, but they really stole the show at the, uh, in some of those moments. Just really hilarious. I, I also really liked the projections they used and I liked how they kind of had the little dial up at the top, like for each turn over to a different assassin they kind of set the stage with some projections and i thought that was great especially in sort of a smaller theater pasquale was good and so was swenson they were all really good the soundtrack um i think someone asked about the soundtrack it will be available after may 9th after the event but i think another line that we will add theater gives us makes us want more and that's what this era and season of theater has done for us comeback right after it being closed for, for almost what two years makes us want more and that's what assassins did it's one of those musicals that made us it did, we didn't want it to end actually when it ended we're like oh okay how sad we've had i didn't know america had so many assassins assassins that wanted to, to kill the president like we i did not know this and some might say it was dark 
but it was so, but it was educational and informative in an entertaining manner. Agreed. Yes. Look on the bright side. Look on the, you know, just seeing him go become manic. Look on the bright side. Look on the bright, you know. Nice work, I am going to the Lord. You're like, oh, he's really manic, you know, just. He, you know, you, seeing him yeah. go from you here need this soundtrack. to yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. I'm not on the soundtrack. I'm on the board. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, people need to listen to it. Yeah. So, well, when that's out, I will let you know instantly. But it, but it, but it's wonderful to be a part of this journey with Classic Stage now. This next show is one that we all liked. I, I hope I don't put my foot in my mouth on that one. And it was one that played at Signature by the new group, which was Black No More. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nominated for uh, musical, best musical, choreography by Bill T. Jones, lead performer in a musical, Tamika Lawrence, who played Bunny, featured performer in a musical, uh, Lilius White, who played Madame Cicerita Blundish, and then lighting design by Jeff Crater, or Croyder, excuse me. What do you all think about this show? So I just wanted to say that Thank you to Ty. Ty was very generous. And early on, we attended a reading about, I guess it's about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the first half of the play, they actually had a little bit of props and it was all acted out and we were mesmerized. And I thought mm-hmm. it was a really smart, interesting story, a story, a satire of a book in late, uh, let's say, no, 1930s that happened in Harlem. I don't want to tell everything, but all I want to say is that the second half was wonderful. When I went to see the play, I was just like, what happened from the reading to the play the Mm -hmm. first time? So it was early previews and actually, I guess they were shut down because of COVID. So it was like, or I think early January. Mm -hmm. And then I went back, I had to go back and I wish I've had a chance to go back again. And it was so much of an improvement. I thought it was wonderful. Um, I love the dancing. I thought the acting, um, definitely the uh, best uh, actor, Tamika. She was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, her role, um, I think Brandon Victor Nixon, it took a while for his voice to kind of be heard and to be quite honest. I mean, everyone was just, you know, had very strong voices. I, I thought the st- story was very different. I, you know, the fact of how the impact of people of color wanting to to be lighter, to be white, so that they have better opportunities. And, you know, as a result of paying $50 for this special chair and turn white, then Harlem fell apart. So I think it was very smartly to kind of do this in a musical. The dancing really supported everything that was going on. But then you had this story. And then it also talked about injustice, right? It talked about the economy. It talked about legacy. You know, Black people are affiliated with Harlem and they deserted this place that has been in our in our hearts for many, right? So it's changed. But I just thought it was also interesting, the fact that um, uh, at the end, the things that one does when they change. I'm, I forget the main character's uh, name, but uh, Brandon Victor Nixon, when he became a white man, the things that he did for love. And then there were some scenes towards the end that I thought were just a little bit hard to take and kind of made me tear a little bit. But overall, I thought it was a wonderful production. It needed more time. It needed to cook a little bit more. It needed to stir it up. And then I think it probably would have did well even transferring to Broadway as a result. 
but it was a, it was a collective effort. And initially I thought that the ensemble didn't work, but when this in the previews, but towards the end of the run, two weeks out, they were tight and it was enjoyable. It was better. I agree and concur with a lot that you said. I, I actually read the book after we saw, and, uh -huh. and you're welcome. You're most welcome, Eleanor. I was happy that you were able to come to the reading with me. We left the reading <laughs> excited with anticipation, wanting to see this play. And I actually liked the reading better than I saw the preview. Um, and I, you know, knowing that Billy T. Jones was the choreography and I thought the dancing was wonderful. There were pitching issues, there were actors out singing each other, sort of having difficulty finding their space. And I think a lot of that had to do with not enough time. A rush to, we got to be open, probably COVID cases, you know, coming through. So saw it in previews. Um, and then went back to see it after previews because I, I, I wanted to love this play. I wanted to have the same experience that I had with the reading. You know, the reading was just phenomenal. I even wanted to read the book after the reading. So it got, it got better for all of the above reasons, um, for all of the reasons that Eleanor recommended too. It, it just got better after the previews, but it still needs time to cook. It still need, it still needs time to marinate a little bit to, for it to be, oh, it's on Broadway, right? It, it just, I wish it, I wish it could land on Broadway with more rehearsal, with more, um, because there were times when Brandon's um, voice did get lost because the other voices were so, so much stronger. Mm -hmm. um, he needed maybe some other voices that weren't, um, that were in connection with his, right? That, were, that would collaborate with him well. Yes. It needed more time. But the second time, that by, so the second time I saw it was after previews and it did get much better and I enjoyed it. The, the two things that I took away that, that most moved me was, um, I, obviously I was disturbed at the idea that, that the answer to everything is to change your skin color. The idea that they invented this thing mm -hmm. to change your skin color. And, and I was incredibly disturbed by that notion. And then going forward with it, when he's down in the South and whatnot, the idea that it doesn't matter, there, there will always be, people will find, always find a reason to hate. Mm -hmm. So this, this group of Klansmen well, okay, if there's no more black people, well, we'll find Jewish people. We'll find gay people. Mm -hmm. We'll find a reason to go hate people because they're different. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the show, Brandon Victor Dixon just breaks the fourth wall and out of character just says, this is the part where I'm supposed to do, give a powerful speech or whatever, but here it is. Just stop effing hating each other. Mm -hmm. Just stop it. And it was sincere and it was real. And I was like, that's all the message is. That's the message right there. It's not a sonnet. It's not an aside. It's literally him just coming and being like, hey, since I've got your attention in a spotlight, let me tell, I can't believe it's 2022 and I got to tell you, but so I thought mm -hmm. that that was really powerful and poignant. The storyline was, is, 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 is great. I mean, we, we don't, you know, shy away from any of these issues in cultures in the Latinx and the Latina and African-American culture, even I hear it's in, in different in Jewish culture, people have issues with light skin and dark skin and hair and color and style. And so those things are sort of brought to the forefront of this, of, of hatred and race, mm -hmm. hatred of self, self-hatred of the way you look and what you're being taught of the standard of beauty and what beauty is, that image of beauty, right? 
but I did love that at the end too. Just uh, and hating. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that, right? So our final two shows both garnered six nominations each. They're the top two, I'll say, contenders. Taisha, you were the only one to see the next one that we have, which is Oratorio for Living Things, which best musical director for Lee Sunday Evans Ensemble, costume for Marion Tulin de la Rosa, lighting for Jeanette Oi Sukyu, and sound for Nick Hortides. Um, yeah, six six Laurel nominations. I gotta be honest, I know nothing about this show, but I feel like I need to go and hurry up and brush up my, <laughs> do my homework, because it must be something good. It was, so it, it takes place, I, I don't know if you heard me say it takes place in a Greenwich, in, a, in, in the village, in a music hall, so in a very small, um, and it's, at first the space, the space sort of is in the round, and it's in a the seats go from the bottom up. The orchestra is at the very top. Okay. The singers, the singers give you sounds from their altos, tenors, mezzos, sopranos. So if you're on the right side, you've got singers who are singing in, in harmony and all of those tones. And then you have the left side, they're boop, boop, bop, bop, beep, beep, bop, bop, boop, boop, bop, bop, where the other side is singing in words. And then you'll have some fingers at the top near the orchestra just patting their feet and clapping, snapping their fingers and clapping their hands. So you are surrounded. At first you're like, oh, is this going to be confusing? You're surrounded by heaven of music from their voices, from their from their, the sounds of their fingers, from the sounds of their hands. And then they all become quiet for 30 or 40 seconds. And then they pick back up again. And they sort of, and they move to different stages all over the theater while they're singing. It is fascinating. It, it, and it's in a hall. So the voices just carry. There are times when they were, where the, the orchestra did not play. So it was a cappella, right? It was all just voices. It was heaven in a bottle. Just at one point, I closed my eyes. I said, I didn't even want to look at them. I just wanted to hear. I wanted to hear the music in my heart. Highly recommend going to see this. You leave with a sense of just peace, you know, because the music fills your spirit. What I was fascinated by is how small the space is, but how incredible they utilize every inch of it without it overpowering you, without it supplicating you. They managed to use every single space of that theater from the bottom to the stairs near the orchestra, to the left, to the right, everywhere you look, there's a singer. And it just engulfs you mm-hmm. in such a positive way. It's so it's, it's, but the theater is small, there are not a lot of seats. 
So that's why it sold out. <laughs> and they go on nonstop for 90 minutes singing as, as and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's a large group. It's a large group and they are in harmony like I've never seen and heard in a while. Nice. Well, our final show is one that I'm excited. I think it's the best, save the best for last. It is coming to Broadway in the fall. Uh, it was uh, Stage Whisper's first, like, I don't know, Stage Whisper pick, New York Times critic pick, whatever you want to call it. It also got six nominations. It was at Atlantic Theater Company. It's Kimberly Akimbo. Mm. Nominated for Best Musical, Choreography for Danny Memford, Lead Performer and Actor in a Musical, excuse me, uh, for Victoria Clark, who played Kimberly Akimbo, and Justin Cooley, who played Seth. And then featured performer in a musical for Stephen uh, Bayer, who played Buddy, and Bonnie Milligan, who played Deborah. And I cannot get over how good this show was. I am at a loss for words. Um, again, this was a show that we bought tickets for to be like, yippee theater, let's support it. And <laughs> the poster, it didn't quite make sense. I didn't know what we were getting into. And I was like, okay, Victoria Clark, like, well, here's, here we go. I, she's a Broadway legend. And as the show started, seeing her doing what she was doing, I, I was like, what? And I thought maybe she just has like some mental debilitation or something maybe that's what the, and then and of course it's genie to story who i love yes. you know she's written some of my favorite music so i was all about that and the story was so good and it was wow. so well performed and it had and it hit all the marks for me it had enough drama to keep me really like engaged and just just captivated but it had enough humor that I was also like letting my guard down and allowing myself to feel. I mean, Bonnie Milligan is freaking hilarious as Deborah. She shines at that role. Yes. And I literally left the theater and I posted everywhere. I was like, don't miss this show. It's got to come to Broadway. It's got to come to Broadway. This show for me was absolutely just one of my favorites of the fall. It was incredible. I really enjoyed it and, and was hoping that it was going to keep going from there you know and, and I was surprised that it didn't and I wasn't really sure how they were going to pull off the story either but um I, I thought they did they did really well casting too I think Victoria Clark was so good there I, I thought I thought it's new it yeah it's great that it's going to Broadway and with the original cast too which yeah. I love because mm -hmm. it was it was cast Perfectly, Stephen Boyer, and I can't think of the actress that played opposite him as the mom and dad. Yeah. Oh, the, that mom and dad. That that whole thing was like, oh my god. You like like um, they were in their own little like, yeah, bad, bad bubble. You know, bad and bubble. and Kim and their daughter flourished in spite of them. Yeah. They were just such bad news. You couldn't. I mean, it was. And then seeing the kids, this this group that that uh, if we're breaking things down to the level of Greek theater, the Greek chorus, if you will, who make up that perfect. I mean, the inner theater geek in me was just going nuts over this because I was like, I had all of you as a friend at one point in high school. All of you, <laughs> we were friends in high school, and that that line of I like her and he likes it, da, 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 that existed. So on that note. Are there any shows or elements of shows you thought were snubbed or left out of the the Lordal Awards? I mean, the one I think I'll I'll jump in while you're all looking. Um, I was really surprised that Space Dogs 
didn't get more perhaps mm -hmm. like a projection or even for their performance i really something. yeah i thought yeah. that they should have gotten something um technical as yeah. yeah i'd be surprised and sandblasted they got lighting but i really thought they deserved it for set as well i mean that set with all the sand was really i was surprised by the lighting i thought the set yeah the yes, set it seems like they would have yes for sure mm -hmm. and the only other one i'll throw in there for me was morning sun edie falco yep you just yeah you, you had my whole list i had sandblasted yes you <laughs> just read my whole list i had space dogs for technology technical i had morning sun for for acting Mm -hmm. Edie Falco, and I had Sandblasted for the set because I thought the set was brilliant. Uh, and and uh, just to back up back on Sandblasted, um, one thing that really blew me, I, I don't normally take a picture of sets because I'm, I'm that guy. I'm, I remember sitting down and of course the sand was impressive, but I'd seen that a few years ago with the play Indian Summer at Playwrights Horizons. Mm -hmm. Really good. Um, so I was like, cool, a lot of sand. But when I looked up, this is the first show I'd seen that actually had a covered ceiling. Like, not just like, you know, the, the, uh, a ceiling that was broken up for lights, but it was actually a fully realized mm. ceiling. And I was like, that's impressive. I want to see how they light with, a, with that, having that being done. So that to me is why I was like, I'm not shocked by the lighting nomination, but the lighting and the set felt like they worked hand in hand. So I feel like if you got one, you should have gotten the other. And then I, I thought Edie Falco just blew the roof off in that play. That was such a incredible show the only she, showing she showing brilliant. the passage she of time well i think the last yeah. thing that's left as we wind down this epic episode um i think is why don't we cast a few um predictions with the awards being on sunday um and and i think a, you guys are a few of you are going aren't you yes mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. are all three of you going all three of us also, and I'm at a strange loop. So <laughs> it's such a fun award. It's like a small. It, it's so fun. We've been going for a couple of years, and it's also so local. It's like in yes. Washington Square. Finally, you can do something local and fun, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm having to get dressed up like the Grammys. <laughs> put me, put me down for next year. I'm in. I will. Okay. Walk off my calendar. So why don't we just get a few nominations? Um, and let's start off with the category of choreography. Um, shows were Black No More, On Sugarland, Kimberly Akimbo, Trevor, and Cheek to Cheek. Black No More. Black No More, definitely. It's Billy T. Jones. It's Billy yeah. T. Jones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to go with Black No More myself. Um, why don't we go on to the leading performer in a play? Stephanie Berry and on Sugarland, W. Trey Davis and Tambo and Bones, Elizabeth Marvel, Long Day's Journey, Shannon Tao and Chinese Lady and Mary Wiseman in At the Wedding. I think it's going to be Elizabeth Marvel. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I agree. I did have Stephanie Berry on my spreadsheet. She's such a great actress, though. I like her in everything she does, so, but I think Elizabeth. Going on to uh, a lead in a musical, we've got Kirsten Piper Brown from Intimate Apparel, Victoria Clark and Justin Cooley from Kimberly Akimbo, Tamika Lawrence from Black No More, and Ahmed uh, McSoud from The Visitor. I think what it's going to Victoria think? Clark. I, I just think that was a fully realized performance from her. I think you're right. I think there's a tie with that one. I didn't see Intimate Apparel, so I can't comment on that one person. I think it's a tie between that, that and Intimate Apparel. Yeah. 
Clark. Victoria Clark and Victoria Yes. Yeah. Feature in a play. So we've got Abina in Nollywood Dreams, Betsy Adam, and Francis Ben Hamu for Prayer for the French Republic, Jacob Ming Trent for The Alchemist, and Tom Sesma for Letters of Suresh. Prayer for French Republic. Oh, wow. We all pick Ben Hamu. Oh, wow. That makes my life easy because I just have to write one name. Featured act or performer in a, a musical, rounding things out. Uh, we've got Stephen Boyer and Bonnie Milligan and Kimberly Akimbo, Ethan Slater and Will Swenson in Assassins and Lilius White, Black No More. Mm. I lean towards Bonnie Milligan because of the amazing role she created and, per and performed from Kimberly Akimbo. But with Assassins being what it was and not seeing it, I don't know. Mm, you didn't see it. Really. Yeah, so I think it's gonna be one of those three. So going with what I know, I'd have, I would have to pick Bonnie Milligan. I thought see how that turned out. was wonderful. I mean, I am, he is a favorite of mine. But I just recall, even when he's just first on stage, his gestures of the way he was moving his fingers and the way he stood a certain way. And, you know, he stood like a dancer, his feet. There was just little gestures in his stance that he was already in character, which, you know, I just thought he did a wonderful job in Assassins. Yeah. Will Swenson? I'm gonna, yeah, Will Swenson. Will Swenson, yeah. <laughs> Winston had a lot going on with his body language that he yes. was able to utilize, mm -hmm. letting you know his demeanor, like where, who he was and what he was, what he was about. His body language told the story. Well, now for the big three, Outstanding Revival, Assassins, The Chinese Lady, and Twilight, Los Angeles, 1992. I think this will be a tie. Assassins, Assassins and, Assassins and, and Twilight. Twilight, but remember, I didn't see the Chinese lady. I think so Assassins, I, I mean, there's been so much buzz about it in every mm -hmm. circle. I think Assassins right. is going to win. I, I, think, I think it'll be Assassins for sure, but I also, from what I understand about the Chinese, I think I could see this being a tie, but definitely it's going to be Assassins. But I could mm -hmm. see it being a tie between Assassins and Twilight. Eleanor? But I didn't see Chinese lady, so. I'm going to say you know. Assassins. Yeah, I didn't see yeah. Assassins, but I think it's going to be Assassins. Yeah. I'd like it to be Twilight, but. I'm with you guys in that. There's so much. It, it, Don Doyle and his direction in this was just, it, mm. it was incredible. Yeah. And you had empathy for the assassin. assassin. You did. So that's the and, other, and that that's, is really That's the craziness of the play. Yes. That you actually you, walk yes. away saying, huh, I can understand mm -hmm. and slightly empathize with, yeah, with some of them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, and it's all about as part of the revival the, of bringing it to life now, right? Having the, the insurrection scene at the end, right? You know, so it's interesting, yeah. Last two, outstanding play. Yeah, Coal Country, Letters of Suresh, On Sugarland, and Prayer for the French Republic. Prayer for the French Republic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> are we all just looking at each other and we're like, eh. Last one is Outstanding Musical, Black No More, Intimate Apparel, Kimberly Akimbo, and Oratorio for Living Things. That's, I saw all of those and that's very difficult for me. It's, it's. I vote with the one going to Broadway. It's going to Broadway for a reason. I go with Kimberly Akimbo. I, to me, I saw three of the four and Kimberly Akimbo was the most complete overall show for me. I would say Kimberly Akimbo and Intimate Apparel. 
You, you want to tie? Mm -hmm. I'm going to also say Intimate Apparel and Kimberly Kimbo. Kimberly, yeah, when I, I saw Kimberly, I saw Kimberly, Kimbo. Kimbo of that grouping. I'd say, well, I can, I, that's the only one I saw. That's the only one you <laughs> saw, so she can't, yeah. I, I, but I yeah, mean, I'm wondering tough. if Intimate Apparel or Black No More is going to beat it out. I'm wondering. Let's see. This will be exciting. <laughs> what, what were you going to say, Eleanor? I'm sorry. I was just going to say that Intimate, I thought um, Kimberly, uh, now I'm forgetting the lesson, Akimbo. I initially, when I saw it, every time I see something at Atlantic, I really feel good about it. I think they have mm -hmm. a very good eye. Mm -hmm. um, but there were certain, you know, there were certain characters and performers that I thought was a little bit over the top or undeveloped. And so I thought, yes, it could go to Broadway, but it needed more work. So I'm glad, kind of glad I watched it. I saw it off Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I thought uh, Kimberly was, I mean, uh, uh, Victoria, Clark. Victoria Clark was phenomenal i mean she's 62 years old and i'm um, she was mm -hmm. all and so forth and i kept thinking that's not the one who i saw in the light of the piazza <laughs> it can't be the right. same actress you know i i was so i had to come home it was like the first thing i did was to kind how of how many go years ago was that, that was a while ago. Like, yeah like eight ten years ago perhaps yeah. um I but I, I i mean i just i thought it was more on the it was a little lighter on the pop of like um be more chilled and so forth, where, you know, you okay. make, you know, it's good. And I think it's on Broadway and it appealed to a lot of people, but I, I didn't think it had the depth where I thought uh, intimate power had a little bit more of a serious depth and so forth. Yes. Well, the votes are in, the predictions are cast, and we will find out who walks away with the win this weekend. The 37th annual yeah. Lucille Laurel Awards will be live and in person this Sunday, May 1st, at the Skirball Center for Performing Arts at 7 p.m. Stage Whisper will have a full list of the winners available that evening. I would like to thank my fabulous, fabulous guests of the Curtain Call Conversations, Eleanor Guardino, Tysha Scott, and Lisa Goldenberg-Horn for joining me today. Thank you so much for joining. It's been amazing speaking with you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for a wonderful evening of theater discussion. Yes, I look forward to many, many more. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is DJ by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar, Nangdo, Quantum Jazz, Kevin McLeod, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>